sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Hey, welcome to church, everybody. Welcome to High Ridge. For those of you watching online, welcome to church online. We wish you could be here with us, but you have a lot of friends and people here that are enjoying being together, gathered together as the body of Christ, together to hear the word of God and to experience some fellowship this morning. It's an awesome thing. It's a good thing to be in the presence of God. We recognize the, the great privilege that it is to be able to gather together in these unprecedented times. And we just wanna say, man, it feels good to be in God's house this morning, does it not? Yeah. Feels good to be here, and I'm so glad that you made it. Uh, grab your Bibles, if you would. We're gonna spend some time in the book of 2 Timothy. I believe God has something powerful that he wants to speak into each of our lives today as we're dealing uh, with all the things that you're having to walk through and deal with. I recognize that that each of us has, has a, lot, a lot of junk and baggage that we're bringing into this place because we are living in unprecedented times and there are things that you're having to walk through that I believe God wants to help you with. Somebody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. So we're gonna continue on with our series called Unsubscribe. Somebody say unsubscribe. unsubscribe. To cancel a previously desired service. That means letting go of something that you thought you really wanted and later on you realize, I don't like that. You know, one of the hardest things about... Uh, about subscribing to something is sometimes you don't realize what comes along with it. So you might subscribe for one thing and next thing you know, your, your email was put on this massive list and you've got 5,000 junk folder things that are, are waiting for you on Monday morning. It's a great thing to click unsubscribe from all. I want out of that. So today I wanna talk about how we unsubscribe from some things that the Lord's, uh, the Lord's word is really, really clear and gives us some practical steps on how to unsubscribe from some things that we need to let go of that we are, we are no longer desiring that service. Are you with me? Yeah. So uh, I was looking at things that people subscribe to and last week we talked about the BMG Music Club where you get 12 CDs for a penny. And since we have a ton of people that are millennials, most of them were like, wait, what is a CD? Explain that to me again. I've heard of this. What is this of which you speak? Uh, I'm gonna date myself one more time. There used to be something that we would subscribe to that this generation has no idea really what, what this is. Uh, they've, they've heard of it, but they didn't experience the joy of magazines. Like MAGA, MAGA what? We don't say MAGA here. That's not... MAGA? What kind of church is this? Uh, magazines. Don't let me trigger you. And so uh, you could tell a lot about a person by the magazines they would put on their coffee table, and coffee tables were something that people used to have in their home. But <laughs> they would put out you know, good housekeeping to say, hey, I'm, I'm a good housekeeper, and they'd put out Time and Life and all these different kind of magazines. And there was, there was things that would let you know kind of their personality by the magazines that they would subscribe to. And I remember walking into a buddy's house and thinking, we're gonna be great friends until you see that the magazines he has on his counter were High Times. And I'm glad there's not many people that recognize that name. <laughs> because it would let me know that this message needs to go in a completely different direction. <laughs> well, you could tell a lot about the magazines that people would, 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 would subscribe to. I was looking this week at, at, at some of those crazy magazines that used to exist back in the day that, that don't exist anymore. Did you know that there was a magazine that, <laughs> I, I'm not kidding, was called Miniature Donkey Review? <laughs> and <laughs> it was full of photos of miniature donkeys and people that raised them, and they would talk and share tips about how to raise miniature donkeys. And I know what some of you are thinking, I need that magazine. <laughs> I want that. I want that. There's another magazine called Potato Review. Who reads this stuff? People that have been off of carbs for a while, that's who reads it. <laughs> like, mm, Potato Review, that just touches my soul. <laughs> to unsubscribe means to cancel a previously desired 
service. And today I wanna give you something that I think is extremely timely, not just for you, not just for the person sitting next to you, for our entire world. God's word is very clear how to unsubscribe, please hear me, from the spirit of fear. How to unsubscribe from the spirit of fear. Now, before we go any further, I think it's extremely important to make sure that you have one thing very, very clear inside of your theology. Okay, not everything is the spirit of fear. And this is where the church finds themselves dealing with this extremely uh, uh, fragile theology. We label anything that we're afraid of as the spirit of fear. That's not true. I want you to know, I want you to know God's word is very, very clear that fear was an emotion that God gave to every single person on the planet. And what does that do? It keeps you from being stupid. It keeps you from jumping off of buildings with a Batman cape thinking you're going to fly. There's, there's something that God put in you that helps you to not do that. And for people that weren't, were not born with any fear at all, they generally don't live very long, do they? But God has given us something natural to tell you something's wrong. Don't do that. This is going to pay off in pain. Now, when you're born again, God gives you something called the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit begins to govern your life. And here's the thing, if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit or you're not in a place where you understand his voice, you will not be able to differentiate between healthy fear, the spirit of fear, and the Holy Spirit saying, don't be dumb. <laughs> and this is where our world finds themselves today. Anything that people are afraid of, and by the way, there's a lot of things to be afraid of. Somebody say amen. Anything that people are afraid of, if we're not afraid of it, we say, that's the spirit of fear, and you guys are idiots. Is it? How can we tell the difference between what is just fear? What is the Holy Spirit saying? Don't do that. Be careful. Watch out. Turn left. Don't go. Abort. And what is the spirit of fear? How do we know the difference? How can we tell? God's word is extremely clear in 2 Timothy exactly how to tell, and better yet, how to unsubscribe from that spirit of fear. There are some natural and normal fears that you're gonna deal with in your life that are good for you. It's good for you to be afraid of a hot stove. It's good for you to teach your children how to have a healthy respect for that. There's some boundaries that God put in place. Like, that pays off in pain. Don't do that. That's not the spirit of fear. That's different. So, what is God's word telling us? And I wanna make sure that you see this. When I just say, when I, when I talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, how do, you, how do you understand when God's word is putting a check in your spirit? People might say stuff like, uh, I have a check in my spirit or I've been wrestling with this. I can't, I can't settle this in my spirit. That's not the spirit of fear. You don't cast that out. You embrace that because something's not right. It's like it just doesn't sit right with me. I've been praying about it. I've been seeking the face of the Lord about it. It's just... Something's just stirring in me and it just, it just doesn't feel right. I don't have peace about it. That's not the spirit of fear. That's the Holy Spirit saying, I wanna talk with you about this. Let's, let's, let's discover what I'm saying here. And some of us would do anything but spend time in the presence of God. We'd rather spend time in the presence of Google. Let me Google this. Let me discover more about it. Instead of getting into God's presence, we go into the presence of Google. Then we go on to WebMD and start looking at our symptoms. Don't do that. I found out after about three minutes, I've got elbow cancer. How does that even happen? <laughs> Cirrhosis of the eye. Like, <laughs> don't, don't do that. There's rational fear. There is irrational fear. There is demonic fear. And then there's the Holy Spirit. And I want you to see this. I want to make sure that you know what I'm talking about. This is a problem in the church today. This is a problem in our world. 
We don't know how to tell the difference between the power of the Holy Spirit and the spirit of fear. We're led about by our feelings. We're led about by the spirit of the age. We can't tell the difference. I want to help you understand the difference. God's word is very, very clear on this. So in Acts chapter 20, uh, the apostle Paul says this, and I want you to notice that there is a capital S on the word spirit. So this is not the spirit of fear. This is the Holy Spirit. This is, this is the Holy Spirit speaking to him. It says this in verse 23. In every city, the Holy, somebody say the next word. Spirit. It warns me that prisons and hardships are awaiting me. No one would ever tattoo that scripture on their back and say, this is my life verse. In every city, everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit's telling me, you're going to prison. Woo! But most of us, when we hear, here's the, here, I, I just, I know that, that what's coming up is gonna be suffering and hardship and I'm going to prison. Most of us would say, you need to get rid of that spirit of fear. Don't you confess that? Paul said, that's the Holy Spirit. Ouch. That confronts my theology. And it should. We have to be able to tell the difference between the Holy Spirit and the spirit of fear. Look at this in verse 21. He gets around the disciples and it says this, after looking up the disciples, they kept telling Paul, through the, somebody say the next word, through the spirit, capital S, not to set foot in Jerusalem. Don't go there. They're going to throw you in prison. The Holy Spirit's saying, don't do it. What does Paul do? I'm going to Jerusalem. Why? I want to go to prison. While many of us would say, I can't give into that spirit of fear, the word of God tells us that might not be the spirit of fear. That's the Holy Spirit. And he's leading you right where you should be. You may not like it, and it may not be comfortable. It may not be what anybody else wants, but God never, please hear me, God never called us to live lives that are safe. That's a myth. It doesn't exist in the kingdom of God. It doesn't exist in his word. As a matter of fact, every person that I see in this book never lives lives where they're just comfortable and accomplish God's purpose for the life. It doesn't exist. It says the Holy Spirit was warning me and the believers were saying, hey, don't do this. This is bad. Holy Spirit was doing that. So as we're looking at the spirit of fear, I think it's important that we understand what it is what are the symptoms? What are the, the, the clues that let me know this is not the Holy Spirit, this is the spirit of fear? And then how do I unsubscribe from that spirit of fear? I'm not talking about rational fears, things that keep you safe. I'm not talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about that spirit of fear that our world is just saturated with right now. Church, we have to know the difference. How can I tell when it's healthy, when it's unhealthy? Let me say it this way. Fear is unhealthy when it pushes us out of his presence, off of our purpose, and into our imagination. I'm gonna say that one more time, louder for the people in the back. You have to know this. This is extremely important. Fear is unhealthy when it pushes us out of the presence of God. It pushes us off our purpose and into our imagination. Imagination. <laughs> so as we're looking at 2 Timothy, I think it's extremely important to have a good foundation of what this is. How do I recognize it? How do I deal with it? Look at this. Starting in chapter one, I wanna just pick it up in verse three. So the apostle Paul is now writing to young Timothy. Timothy is a pastor. He's young. 
Uh, his dad was not a believer, but his grandmother was and his mother was. And so he has, to, he has to fight this battle in himself of, my dad didn't believe in this. I'm kind of out here on my own. I don't have a spiritual father. So the apostle Paul steps in and begins to mentor him and says, hey, you've got some great gifts. God has called you to do this. But Timothy, throughout his entire ministry, constantly dealt with the spirit of fear. Like, I'm not good enough. I can't make this happen. I'm not as strong as Paul, just like many of us. If we're gonna be honest today in the Lord's house, and where else can you be more honest but here? We can admit to each other that we feel like that sometimes. Like, look, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, Pastor Tim, he's the pastor. He's the one that needs to be strong in his faith. For me, I, mm, I can't do this. I'm not that strong. This is exactly the kind of person that Paul is talking to. And 25 times in this letter, Paul says these words, be strong, be strong, be courageous. And I wanna make sure that you hear this. You cannot have courage without fear. So when he talks about the spirit of fear, Paul is very clear about what to do to unsubscribe from this. And so he says this in verse three, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. Somebody say a pure conscience. As my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it's in you as well. You've got it. You've got that spirit of faith. I'm convinced of it. He says, therefore, I'm gonna remind you, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For, and look at this, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us. What a powerful opening to a letter to a young man that's scared. And many of us know the scripture, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear and we've used that scripture, we've posted about it and we've used it to belittle and bully other people that are afraid. But when you see it in context, it takes on a completely different meaning. Paul says, I recognize that you're afraid, but there's something you can do about it. And I'm here to tell you how to get rid of that. And so as we're looking at how to unsubscribe from the spirit of fear, I think there's, there's at least five keys, five of the things that popped out immediately to me as I'm reading this but there's things that he shows us of how to recognize that spirit of fear and then how to unsubscribe from it. I wanna make sure that you see the symptoms of a spirit of fear. And full disclosure here, let me just tell you this. When I'm looking at the symptoms of a spirit of fear, I don't have to look any farther than myself. So I'm not pointing a finger at you. I'm pointing all 10 fingers back at me. I have walked through this. I might continue to walk through this at some other point, but not today. Not today but I recognize these things in myself. Here's some symptoms of the spirit of fear, and these are things I've seen in myself. Number one, you have to understand, it's, it's contagious. It is contagious, because the fears that you feel and that spirit of fear when it's gripped you, it doesn't just affect you, it spreads to everything around you. Everybody that you talk to will pick up on the spirit of fear. Here's the second thing I know about the spirit of fear. It is hereditary. What's, what's troubling to you will be a stronghold to your children and to your children's children. 
until they decide to break from that. Like, this is, this is irrational. This is not right. I don't understand why we've always been afraid of this, but it's just the way it is. If you're afraid of it, if you give into it, you pass it to your children. It becomes stronger in them. It's hereditary. So um, uh, my dad, before he became a pastor, and he's probably watching online this morning, and he could, he could amen you. And dad, if you're there in the chat, just click on something and say, that's exactly what I meant. Say, say it at the beginning so that I can say what I want, and you just, you just back it up. No, my dad, before he became a pastor, um, dealt drugs. And my dad was arrested 13 times in one calendar year. And uh, let me just say, in a town that's extremely small, I'm talking like the size of White Oak, and you've been arrested 13 times in a year, uh, the police officer and you, you've met. They know you. Like, we've established a relationship here. And so uh, this is something that even after my dad got saved, uh, when, we, when we came along and we're, and we're in ministry and we're, we're traveling, we're driving, anytime that a police officer would be on the road behind us, he would get white knuckles on those steering wheel and, did, and you could see that that spirit of fear, like what's gonna happen? I'm gonna get pulled over. And it became irrational because, I mean, we have insurance, the inspection sticker's good, uh, have a driver's license, everything's legal on the car, but there's an irrational spirit that takes over because of something that's happened in his past. And I realized that not only was he now afraid of police officers because of that, so am I. It's something I had to deal with. Like, why, why am I afraid? What have they done to me? And I had this irrational fear that was inherited from something that had nothing to do with me. And the spirit of fear is hereditary. Here's the third thing I know about the spirit of fear. It is paralyzing. Somebody say amen. amen. It's paralyzing. You'll stop moving. You feel like you can't breathe. You'll stop serving. Stop going to church. Stop using your gifts. We become paralyzed because we're afraid. Once again, I'm not pointing my finger at you. I'm pointing the finger at me. I'm saying, I recognize this in myself. It is paralyzing. When we give in to the spirit of fear, it takes over and it shuts me down. And I can't move. I'm not sure what to do. And then number four, <laughs> It is creative. It is highly creative. I will imagine things when I'm giving into the spirit of fear that have no basis in reality. The chances of them happening are slim to none. But in my mind, not only are they gonna happen, they probably already did. <laughs> We're waiting around to die. <laughs> it's true. And we get so many people that say, I'm just not creative. Get a, get a hold of the spirit of fear. You get real creative real quick. <laughs> It's funny, the things you can imagine in your mind that become reality when we've given into the spirit of fear. You get real creative, real fast. The sky is falling. Is it? <laughs> so what happens when we're gripped by the spirit of the, of the age and what we're seeing all around us? Trust me, it's not just you, and it's not just me, and it's not just Christians. It is the globe right now. They're dealing with the spirit of fear, and the unfortunate thing is most of them don't even recognize it. They don't know the difference between what's healthy and what is irrational and demonic. Here's a, here's a deeper problem. The church doesn't know the difference either. And this is where it goes. We will take our limited knowledge of the word of God and we will use this scripture like God hasn't given us the spirit of fear to bully and belittle people that are afraid. And I've seen this happen over and over for the past two years of people that know God's word, that should know better, that are watching people that are afraid. And instead of in that moment throwing them a lifeline, instead of being encouraging, instead of giving them hope, 
We point an accusing finger and say, that's the spirit of fear. If we're gonna be rational about this, if we're gonna be honest about this, as we look into God's word, we realize there's a lot of hypocrisy in that statement. And I don't know many times in God's word where people are afraid that God belittled them. I don't know many times in the, in the word that we see that people that were afraid that Jesus begins to speak and, and bully them. As a matter of fact, I remember Jesus standing up and calming the storm and saying, where's your faith at? Come on. I told you we're going to the other side. We're getting there. So let me just say, as, as, as we continue looking at, at this with, with a, hopefully an honest heart, and just, just humor me for a moment if you would, uh, but it's, it's an we're living in unprecedented times, and people are afraid. And if not now, when will the church stand up and do more than bullying them? When will we not stand up and realize this should be our finest hour? We were built to bring hope and encouragement to people that are afraid. As a matter of fact, through the timeline of history, there's never been a time where people weren't afraid of something. This is the very reason why Jesus came. This is the reason why we have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, not to bully and belittle people that are afraid, but to give them hope. There's hope in his word. If not now, when? And I'll have conversation after conversation with people on both sides of this argument that want to just fight and divide each other over something as simple as a piece of cloth over a face. Like, really? You're not going to even go to their wedding and they're, they're your son because they wore a mask? Really? I can't be around that. That's the spirit of fear. Like, is it? <laughs> Or is it just a convenient label for you? We love to conveniently label anything the spirit of fear if we don't agree with it. Let me just tell you, let me just tell you, if you want to wear a mask, please wear a mask. If you want to take the jab, please do that. If you don't want to, it's okay, please don't. But before we are masked or unmasked or jabbed or unjabbed, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And there is something that has to have precedence over that spirit of fear. You can't conveniently belittle people because they don't believe the same way that you do. I don't have to agree with you to still love you. Are you kidding me? If you think that way, that you have to agree with everyone on those issues and still love them, you're not going to be married very long. You won't be able to decide where you're going to eat after church today. Well, I just can't get along with you. Like, we've been married for 50 years. Yes, you can. You know it's Chicken Express anyway. It's what we do. Sundays we sit around and have chicken fried preacher. <laughs> That's good. I'll put that third service. I don't care who you are. <laughs> but, I've, but I've talked to some people with these irrational arguments. I'm like, wait a minute. You're a believer. What are you doing here? You're a believer. How does your mind go to this place? You're labeling everything the spirit of fear. And you don't see that these people are your brothers and sisters. And they're afraid. And if you want to get honest with, with me, so are you. There are things to be afraid of. The difference is, is it healthy, is it rational, or is it the spirit of fear? And to label everything the spirit of fear is a huge mistake because you're missing the opportunity to become the hands and feet of Jesus. Please hear me. I love you. I love the church. I'm giving my life to this. I believe in the body of Christ. But we've got some issues. We've got some problems here. We've got some strong opinions about things that we don't really understand. And God's word is much more clear than you think it is. It's much more clear. And as you talk to people that have these irrational wild sides that are so divisive, you're like, please don't tell people you come to my church. Please don't. Because I don't agree with that. 
And you'll, you, know, you ask them, you know, why, why, do, why, do you, why do you have guns in your home? To protect my family. But you won't wear a mask? <laughs> no, that's the spirit of fear. Like, <laughs> What's the difference? I will never take a vaccine. That's the spirit of fear. Like, but we have guns? Like, really? And trust me, I'm pro-gun. I promise you. I, I, I'm waiting for the day someone breaks in my home. This is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> Thank you. I've been waiting so long for you. Oh. I love being American. I love being Texan. You don't even have to have a concealed license. Carry. Like, it's awesome. That has nothing to do with Christianity. But it's just fun. But you're going to draw some hard lines in the sand and you don't see the irrational argument. Like, come on, people are afraid. When people are afraid, should they protect themselves? Sure. Any way that they feel like is right. Within the law. So as we're looking at the spirit of fear, how do we unsubscribe from that as believers? How do we look at God's word? And how do we look at what Paul says to Timothy and say, okay, God, speak to me. Because if I'm going to be honest today, Lord, there's a lot of things I can be afraid of. And how do I not become a Christian bully to people that are afraid. How do I give them hope? Just like Paul gives Timothy hope, he gives us five great keys to help us unsubscribe from the spirit of fear. So if you're a note taker, you might wanna write this down because maybe you're not afraid today, but I promise you at some point, there's gonna be another election and here we go again. Election cycles come around with alarming regularity, in case you didn't know. And you're going to face it again. How do we unsubscribe from that spirit of fear? How do we rise above that? How do we become the hands and feet of Jesus? It's in the choices that we make. Not the feelings that we have. It's the choices that we make. Choices lead. Feelings follow. Somebody say that with me. Choices lead. Feelings follow. Number one, how do we unsubscribe from the spirit of fear? Paul says this, I thank my God, we have to choose to be thankful. That's so simple, Pastor. Have you done it? <laughs> I'm too afraid to do that right now. There we go. I have to choose to be thankful. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. He says, I thank my God every time I think about you. I start thanking God for what he's done for you. I thank God for where you've come from. I thank God for the gift that is inside of you. I thank God for the lives that you're gonna change. I'm thanking God for you. And in this moment, he's setting a great example for Timothy to remember, thankfulness matters to God. You see, if I can get my eyes off of the fears that I'm facing right now and go back to the presence of God and begin to thank him for what he's already done, fear has no place. I thank my God every time I remember you. You know, when, when fears are paralyzing, we have to choose in that moment to take a step of faith. And it takes faith to, sometimes to thank God for what he's done. Like, Lord, I don't feel it, but I choose to be thankful. I'm gonna remind myself of your goodness, remind myself of your grace. And just like I've taken steps before, I'm gonna take a step of faith out of this. Why? Because I'm paralyzed with fear right now. I gotta get out of this place. I love what Paul says in Colossians chapter two. He says, so then just as you received Christ Jesus, our Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with, somebody say the next word, thankfulness. Thankfulness is the fruit of a life that is rooted and built up in him, that is full of the faith steps that it took to get here. He says, at the very beginning of your Christian walk, you took a step of faith. You asked Christ to come into your heart. You didn't fully understand it, 
but you believed that Jesus Christ was gonna forgive you of your sins. You took a step of faith, you said some words, and in that moment, something powerful happened in your heart. And you'll never stop taking steps of faith. Just as you did in that moment, it takes a step of faith to get baptized. No one's gonna pick you up and throw you in the water unless you ask for it. But it takes a step of faith to do that. You do it by faith. It takes a step of faith to become born again. It takes a step of faith to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're always gonna have steps of faith. The same is true when you're battling the spirit of fear. You gotta take a step of faith. We start by being thankful with what God has done. He says, just as you received Christ by faith, continue to live your life in him. Let me say it this way. It is impossible to be paralyzed with fear when we're busy taking steps of faith. Here's the second clue that we, that we see from, from the Apostle Paul as he's giving it to young Timothy. Not only do I have to choose to be thankful, but number two, he says, I serve with a pure conscience. We have to choose a clean conscience. This is more important than you're gonna amen me for. But this is a big deal. Why? Because when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, when I'm walking through fear, when I'm walking through a place where I'm like, man, this is dark, this is hard, I don't wanna be walking alone. <laughs> I want the power of God with me. David says, Lord, you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You lead me beside still waters. You anoint my head. You're with me. You're with me. He says, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. So how do I make sure that the presence of God is with me? And this is not discipline because of something I did that was wrong. You know, when God lifts his hand, when you keep being disobedient to him, you start, you start ignoring his voice. He's like, okay, go ahead and do it. That's not a good place to be. No, no, no. What do I want? I want a clean conscience before the Lord. Lord, search my mind, search my heart. If there's anything that I've done that means that I've walked into this thing by myself, would you please help me get back on the right track? <laughs> get me back to a place where I'm with you. And if this is something that's from you, then I trust you. You're going to walk through this with me. You don't want to walk alone. How do I do that? Get a clean conscience before the Lord. Here's a novel concept that we find in the Bible that a lot of churches have forgotten to teach about. And this is one crazy word. Repent. Say, I'm sorry, change your mind. Lord, if there's anything that I'm walking through that I brought on myself, show me, because I want to repent of that right now. He says, I serve God with a clean conscience. I want you to remember this. Paul is writing this letter from prison. This is the last letter Paul will ever write before they execute him. Before he writes stuff like, I fought the race and I fought a good fight. There's laid up for me a crown in heaven. With his last letter, he starts encouraging Timothy, be strong. Be strong. Be encouraged. That shows me that it doesn't matter where you find yourself today. What matters is, do you have a clean conscience before the Lord? Because if he's with me, I can walk through it. And if he's not, I don't want to walk any farther in this thing. Eject. <laughs> Eject right now. I want out. If God's not with me, here's the third thing that we have to make sure that we choose, and that's to choose God's presence. I am continually shocked by believers that know better, that think they're going to walk through something, and all they're going to do is bring in Google or bring in their friends and never bring in the presence of God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and I've had multiple conversations with people that should know better, that are walking through something that would rather have advice and counsel from me instead of talking to the Lord about it. Trust me, he knows. I don't. I'm a big moron. I make dumb decisions. I say dumb things. I do it all the time. Come to third service. You'll see. 
but he doesn't make mistakes. The word of God doesn't return void. He knows what you need to hear. And I'm shocked by how many Christians don't even talk to him. Get in the presence of God. I had a conversation with a pastor at the beginning of the shutdown and he had lost his building. And he calls me and he says, hey, we've lost our building. I need, I need some, some help and some advice from you. What do you think we should do about this and that? And he begins to lay out all of his fears and all the things that he's fighting with. And he's in, a, he's in a pickle. He's in a troubling situation. He says, PT, what do you think? What should I do? I said, man, what's the Lord saying? He said, what do you mean? I'm like, mm. Okay, maybe you didn't hear me. I said, uh, uh, when you're praying about this, what's God saying? He said, well, I haven't prayed about it yet. I called you first. I'm like, mm. <laughs> I'm gonna hang up now. Why don't you pray about this and you call me back and tell me what the Lord says to you because you should know better. But the spirit of fear has pushed him out of the presence of God where he's hoping he can get the presence of God through me. That's foolish. I am a horrible substitute for the power of God. I'm just here to help you point the way to something that's better. This is my heart and my hope for you that you would choose his presence. His presence. You have to make a choice to get into the presence of God. This is where fear has no room to speak because God's voice drowns it out. I love what David said in Psalm 34. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. What a powerful concept. You mean the deliverance from my fears is waiting inside the presence of God? Yes. Choose God's presence. Fear is a signal that we're outside of the presence of God. Once again, I'm talking about the spirit of fear, not the Holy Spirit warning you, but that spirit of fear. It's an alarm bell saying, I'm outside God's presence. I need to get back in there and figure out if this is the Holy Spirit warning me, checking me, moving me, or if this is my irrational creative mind going places that I have no business going. You still, lift, are you still with me today? You still listen? Is this okay? If I get just a little bit of encouragement, I'll finish up, but it, you, most of you look at me like that. I'm sorry. I really believe, honestly, I believe you need to hear this. This is important. Our world needs to hear this. There's a difference between the spirit of fear and the Holy Spirit and a healthy fear. It's a big difference. We have to know the difference. So, number one, he chooses to be thankful. Number two, he chooses a clean conscience. Number three, choose the presence of God. Number four, he says, I greatly desire to see you. I'm, I remember your tears. So we, this is what we take from that. I have to choose to look ahead. Choose to look ahead. Now, this is, this is important because when you get stuck in a place where you're gripped by the spirit of fear, you're consumed with the here and now, and you start imagining what's coming, Right? But when I choose to look ahead to something that God is doing or something that I can, I can focus on to get my attention off the here and now, I can start walking. I can start moving. I can start breathing again. <laughs> but I gotta get my focus on something that's other than this. I have to make a choice to look ahead. He says, I can't wait till I see you again. I can't wait till that moment I get to grab you and hug you and tell you, man, you did it, you made it. I'm here. I'm gonna come and strengthen you. Now, I have, to, I have to make sure that you understand this. Did Paul ever see Timothy again? The answer is no, not this side of heaven. Paul was executed. But he's telling Timothy in that moment, look ahead. Get your focus off of something more than the issue that you're facing right now that's causing you to give into the spirit of fear, to retreat from the presence of God, and to fold up like a $2 chair, which is exactly where we find the church today. have to choose to look ahead, to look beyond the issues of today 
and realize that even if things get worse, even if they get much worse, there's something better on the other side of all this that God's word promises will be worth it. You still with me? Is this okay? Choose to look ahead. And then number five, I wanna finish up with this. He says this to Timothy. He said, I want you to fan into flame your gifts. And this is critical because Timothy had retreated, had been paralyzed, had stopped doing what God has called him to do because he's afraid. And by the way, I'm not pointing my fingers at you. I'm pointing my fingers at myself and at the body of Christ. This is where we find ourselves in the same place. So we have to make a choice. Choose to, number five, serve. Serve. He says, you've got gifts and you don't have time to wait around until the world is a safe place for you to use your gifts again. That is bull. If not now, when? It is set up on a tee for you. The world is looking for hope. They're looking for encouragement. They're looking for faith. They're looking for anything other than the spirit of fear. And this is the moment where the church says, I'll serve. I'll serve you. But aren't you afraid? Yes. <laughs> but I still choose to serve. And the word that he uses here for Timothy, he says, it's like you're, you're blowing on embers and trying to get them back to a roaring fire again. In the midst of his fear, he says, serve, do what God's called you to do. And I've had conversation after conversation with pastor after pastor after pastor. What are you doing, pastor? How's your church doing? And, 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 the, and the answers are always the same. People have stopped serving. People have stopped coming. And they're in crisis mode. I'm having to help and to encourage. It's okay. Weather the storm. You can do this. Remind the fan into flame your gifts. Come on, you're not alone. You can do this. The body of Christ, when we've given into the spirit of fear, we stop serving. And let me just remind you, we don't have time for that. Please hear me as your pastor. I love you. And as Paul encourages Timothy, I let God's word encourage me. And I want God's word to encourage you to fan into flame your gifts. You don't have time to sit on the sidelines and wait for the world to become safer before you do what God has called you to do. Please hear me. That doesn't exist. There will never be a time where it is safe to serve. It doesn't exist. But we've been paralyzed by the spirit of fear for so long that we've forgotten that we're the hands and feet of Jesus Christ and the world needs hope. What are you doing? Wake up. Wake up. Serve. Make a choice. Use your gift. If you're still alive, you're not done. And I want to make sure that I'm serving God until the day they put this old cold corpse in the ground. I'm going to serve his kingdom. Why? It's the only chance we get. Serve. Paul says, fan into flame the gifts that was given to you when I laid my hands on you. Your grandmother had it. Your mother had it. You've got it. I'm convinced. So stop waiting around for things to get safe. Get back to serving. There's always something to be afraid of. But there's never not a good time to serve. So we serve. And we show the world that we can serve in spite of our fears. We can serve through it. And we bring the power and the presence of God to people that need it. Please hear me, church. The world is afraid. And the church is afraid. I get it. There's lots of things to be afraid of. And it ain't all the spirit of fear. No, it's not. But in those situations, as we're looking at a world that needs it, we have the answer. God's word is really clear. What are you going to do with it? 
I wanna leave you with this one thought that I felt like came to us uh, as, as we're praying over you and thinking about this message. I wanna make sure that you hear this. Uh, you can't control the outcome, but you can control what comes out of you. And so if what comes out of you is nothing but bullying people that are afraid, please don't come here. That's not the spirit of this house. That's not what our world needs is another bully. What comes out of you should be grace, hope, strength, and favor, and courage, and faith, and service to the kingdom of God. If not now, when? When? It's not about you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Lord, as we have turned our attention to your word today, we realize that there are so many things in our own hearts and our own spirits that we have to confront. And Lord, it is not easy to live in fearful times. Lord, I am the first to admit it. Lord, it's not easy. But Lord, as I look in your word, I realize that this is really common for your people. As a matter of fact, there's never been a time where it's been easy to serve you. And Lord, we recognize how much of a blessing it was to be able to serve you without that fear. We thank you for it. But now you're calling us to something deeper, something holier, something harder to serve when it's not convenient, when it's not easy, and when we're afraid. So Lord, I ask that you would forgive me for the times that I've given into the spirit of fear. Forgive me for the times that my mind has gone towards divisiveness and I've forgotten what you've called me to do. Lord, would you come and help us to be your hands and feet, your voice to a world that is consumed with fear. Help us to help them use your church to bring hope. Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, my friend, if you're listening to my voice today, if you're watching online and you've never accepted Christ into your heart, if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, then this next part is just for you. I want to help you like somebody helped me one time. Right where you are. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want to help you. I want to lead you in a prayer. I want you to pray along with me. You can do it out loud if you want to. You can do it in your heart. It doesn't matter. The most important thing is that you mean it. If that's you, and you want to take that very first step of faith, maybe you've been away from God and you need to come home. Today's your day. Let me help you. It starts with a prayer, a step of faith. Pray this with me. Just say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you came, you died, but rose again so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I invite you into my heart to be the Lord of my life. I don't want to live my life my way anymore. I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, my friend, if that was you and you just prayed that prayer with me, would you be so bold as just to simply lift your hand and say, that was me, Pastor. That was me, I pray with you. Good. Good. That was me, Pastor, I pray with you. My friend, I would love to connect with you. 
I would love to show you what just happened inside of your heart and what your next step of faith is. That's what a church should be. Let us help you. The easiest way to do that is by text. If you would text the words, I prayed to 844-HRC-TEXT. If you're watching online and you just accepted Christ, if you just prayed that prayer with me, would you text me? I prayed to 844-HRC-TEXT. We're gonna send you some things that will help you. And we would love to celebrate the joy of what just happened inside of your heart. It's an amazing and powerful thing. We're so incredibly proud of you. Excellent. Well, Highridge family, go ahead and stand to your feet if you would. If you're watching us online, type, us, type, type something in the chat. Let us know where you're watching from. If there's any prayer requests that you may have as you're watching online, man, hey, type those in the chat. We would love to pray for you. We believe that God still hears and answers our prayers. Do you believe that? Amen. Even if you don't, type it in the chat. We'd love to pray for you. It's a good thing. I'm gonna have our elders and their wives come forward and they're gonna remain here as the service is dismissed to make sure that if you need prayer for anything, we would love to pray for you. For everyone else, I'm gonna bless you and send you out. Father, I thank you for this amazing day in your presence. I thank you for all of those that are watching online. Father, I pray for every sick person that's watching this right now. Lord, I pray that your healing virtue would flow, that there would be countless miracles that begin to happen as your healing power begins to touch them right where they are right now. Father, would you move? Would you strengthen them? Would you help them? Would you bless them? Father, would you help us to be your hands and feet to a world that's broken? In Jesus' name, and everybody said together, amen. amen. God bless you as you go. Have an amazing day.